Remember the day that Zeke Elliott was the center? Snap of the ball to Prescott. Slant over the middle to Turpin. He's tackled immediately, and this game is over. Well, everybody <laughs> asked for Turpin to get involved in the offense, and I guess that maybe is not what everybody had in mind. So you used the word, Mike, sad. I think that's where I'm at. Cowboys fans, 877-881-1053. How we feeling? Is it angry, sad, numb, or something else completely different? Is I, I know how you feel, Mike, and I definitely understand your process of getting there. I have to admit, I was and probably still am sad, 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 sad about that game because I didn't walk out of that game being like, well, now I feel dumb because they had no business being on that field. But th- that wasn't that game. Like, you were 100% look like as good of a team as the San Francisco 49ers yesterday. You lost, so you're not. But it looked like you belonged in the same league as the San Francisco 49ers. And that's why I think I was sad. And me and Brandon, he was on one couch, I was on another. We just kind of like laid around. And I think we flipped on South Park or something because they needed like something else yeah, that's that was what it, not post-game. I immediately turned off the game, didn't watch any post, and went to, to turn on Netflix to finish Kaleidoscope. I was oh, like, like okay. that's how that's how indifferent I was to the outcome because Mike, it was as the as it went on late in the fourth quarter, it was a slow bleed. Like that's all it was. You yeah. could just see the team was exhausted. You could see they didn't have the life that they had early in the game, and they didn't have the plays left in this one. I asked you guys on text because yeah. as the Cowboys were getting the ball back with approximately three minutes to go. I asked you guys, if they drive down the field and score a touchdown, do you just go for two and say, look, if we score a touchdown from the two-yard line with, let's just say, a minute to go, screw it. We're going to take one play from the two-yard line. Because I did think the Cowboys' defense at that point was dying yeah. and, and fatigued. And well, I, because they carried the team on their back yeah. the entire game. And now I'm going to ask this question, which I didn't ask on our uh, text chat. What was your confidence level when Dak got the ball at the 17 or 18 yard line with three minutes to go that he was for the first time all game going to drive the ball down the field for a touchdown? I'm not. Look, this is the delusional part. And we do have some Mike McCarthy audio about like what they would have done if they would have scored if you want to hear that. But this is the delusional part of fandom for me is I was like, this is the time, despite all evidence in the game, to the contrary, for most of the game, it was a back and forth affair. And yeah. I was like, got to get a stop here or we need a first down right here is in the back of my mind. I'm like, I know probably they won't, but you know what? Maybe they will. So that was my like straight up yeah. fandom right there. And then Corey threw a pick six, which luckily was dropped. Then Gallup got open for a 30 to 80 yard play because if he throws it in stride, I don't know. Gallup's not that fast right now because of still his kind of recovery from right. his knee injury. But if he throws the ball out in front of him and leads him the way great quarterbacks do in those situations, or you can be Jimmy Garoppolo in the Super Bowl and totally miss Sanders for the game-winning touchdown or totally miss Gallup, and then you have no chance to to come back. And that's kind of the category Dak is in, is like when you need that big throw, he's probably going to F it up, is – after those two throws, I was like, we're screwed. Like, he literally threw a pick six, and then we did get a guy open for a 30-plus yard play, and he didn't come close to completing it. Yeah, that that throw was miserable. Um, you know, more than anything, there, there are 
three outcomes that could happen with that one specifically, and two of them are positive in your in your way. Incomplete or interception is like I count as one. The catch downfield, awesome, could happen, and then you're also really hoping you get a pass interference call. They haven't figured out how to get Michael Gallup as the pass interference call guy. Like the, the Tom Brady was a king of it for a long time, yeah. and and even I was afraid that he was going to do it last week on on Monday against the Cowboys. But that's what they were they wanted to at least, if anything, get the pass interference call. Throw was so far off they couldn't even yeah. get that. Dak did do a good job on getting the pass interference on the automatic touchdown to CeeDee Lamb by underthrowing him by eight yards, though. Mm-hmm. He did that, catch the ball. That was that was a frustrating pass as well, because like you said, it was he had the space. If the throw is on, that is a cruise in touchdown. From the eight one seven, as you might have guessed, there is opinions all over the board. The eight one seven stuck. This is who the team is. Thanks, Jerry. From the 214, us Cowboys fans feel jaded. From the 682, yeah, I'm probably just indifferent now. And from the 817, somebody said F Dak. And then from the 210, the Kellen Moore needs to go. And from another 214, too many bleeps if I called in and said how I felt. <laughs> we are going to do a call in later. I don't know. I will tell you that segment will end as soon as. The curse words start flying, which I am Thank definitely you. concerned about. Embarrassed, embarrassed, disgusted. It feels like it's tipping more mad as opposed to sad. Because I don't think I'm mad. I think I'm still sad. Yeah, I think the tough part is, is going into the game, you thought, all right, we do have a seven-year vet versus a guy making his seventh or eighth start yeah. in the NFL. I think seven. And the guy, and I'm not saying Brock Purdy didn't even play good. But what did Brock Purdy not do? He didn't turn Turn the ball ball over over. twice. And honestly, Dak came a lot closer. There were a couple. Obviously, you know, Diggs crushed us by not catching that interception. I know it was tipped and everything, but literally just softly in his bread basket. And that was a three-point play, right? Or was that a seven-point play? No, that was a seven-point play. That was when McCaffrey ran it in for a touchdown? Yeah. So literally, like, you would have saved seven points there. And and. You know, when the Cowboys had a few opportunities to maybe make that type of play, they didn't. And honestly, San Francisco probably had five interception opportunities and only caught two of them. I feel like the Cowboys might have had two, one of them being Diggs. There was another one that I'm sorry, I'm uh, my mind's blanking. Maybe Cowboy fans with a better memory of last night. I thought there was another one. There where definitely was. I thought the Cowboys had a good chance at an interception. So the Cowboys went 0 for 2 on their interception attempts. And San Francisco went two for five on their interception attempts. From the 303, I'm radio edit ticked off about this game. I appreciate that. From the 469, this is what they do. Very disappointed. From the 817, indifferent is a good word. And from the 937, absolutely furious. Dak is effing terrible. And I have a feeling, I think we all had a sense that you would get a lot of that today. Because in yesterday's game, he was terrible. Terrible. You got the... And potentially one of the best defensive efforts, except for the the interception yes. that should have been. Yeah, you know, one of the best defensive efforts I think you could have possibly asked for. Every time that they said, "Hey, we're about to break loose on a forty yard play for Debo Samuel," Cowboys stopped him in the back in the backfield. Every time the McCaffrey was supposed to do something massive, they stopped him. Who uh, last week? Whenever we were talking, I said Kittle. I'm afraid of. He makes the the play, then he flops. I'm mean, still going to call that one a flop. They, Fox was afraid to show the replay and how good he flopped on that one. But they they had a plan to stop what was really good play calling by Shanahan 
Shanahan said, I got to do something else now because he knew what he wanted to try to do against him. Cowboys knew what he wanted to try to do against him. They're like, hey, we can't do this with our running game. We we have to we have to stop this run uh, against San Francisco. We have to stop them. And they did a really good job of it. And then because the offense couldn't do their couldn't keep their side up, they got gas, man. They in that second half, you saw the drive happening. As it unfolded, you were like, oh, crap. Elijah Mitchell's running over us right now. You saw they couldn't stop it. They were exhausted. They've been on the field too much, and it turns into a touchdown, and it shouldn't have been. You, you're you spot on about that. Dick's it, had two plays, two chances to change that drive into a positive for the Cowboys. The second the ball gets touched, you can smash the hell out of that receiver. He didn't do it. He didn't make the pick. I I am exceedingly frustrated with him on that drive. But you're right, Corey. You tell me going into this game. Here are the bullet points. I'm like, we're 100% winning that game. Christian McCaffrey, total yards from scrimmage, 57. Debo Samuel, total yards from scrimmage, 56. And we give up 19 points. There is, we're winning that game. Like, I I thought the defense was phenomenal, phenomenal, phenomenal. I thought the offense was a major, and Dak was a major letdown, but that's not any great shakes. Anyone who watched that game, you know that. After the game, Micah said this, according to Clarence Hill. The Niners made more plays than they did, but he also added that giving up the just one touchdown and getting Debo and McCaffrey in check should have been enough to win, especially if they don't have the two picks. I want to... Can you fire off cut 22? Because I want to see if that's in here. Okay. If that's his inflection and how that sounds. This is Micah Parsons referencing what you were just saying. You know, going to this game, we understood that they wanted to get their players out to open space. We contained Debo. We contained McCaffrey for the most part. But, like I said, they made more plays. We, We limited. We tackled. We ran. But they made more plays. Okay, so he doesn't throw the he doesn't throw the offense under the bus, but I mean they 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 needed they needed an interception. They needed something big to change that game in their direction. But I also, Mike, I'm kind of curious if even the offense could have done anything with it. They were on the 21 yard line after the muff fumble, uh, the muff punt, and they were on the 21 yard line, and they still all right. You know what? Let's kick it. Like this, that that's at least he made it. How yeah. nervous were you on that one was, from twenty eight yards or whatever? Especially <laughs> after my God, after that blocked extra point, and I was like, "Good night." At that point, I was like, "I don't care why it didn't go in. Get him the hell out of there." And then you showed the replay, and then they were like, "Well, it probably would have been off by ten feet." I said, "Oh my goodness, are we just are we just done?" That's why going back to your point. I would have, if they would have scored a touchdown, I was 100% going for two. Here is cut 12. This is Mike McCarthy on if Maher's block changed any game plans going forward. Yeah, I don't know where we're going here. Um, I, I thought that, you know, I went for I went on, I went for it on fourth downs that I've gone on all year. You know, there's, um, yeah, I'm just trying, I'm trying to give you an honest answer. I don't remember sitting there changing plays based off what happened last week you know that that that, that, that didn't happen so um missed yeah definitely but then the next time we had the opportunity we you know we lined them up and they kicked it through so um in the reality of it you know you know we when we got the ball back you know obviously the next to the last series you know the, the plan was to go down and score and go for two to, for the win so i mean that's that was the thought process yeah. but that that had more to do with, you know, I just felt like our defense was on the field a long time. And, uh, 
you know, I, I thought we, we picked it up in certain areas in the second half, uh, but like I said, we just came up short. Maybe that was good leadership by Dak. He didn't really want to put pressure on Maher for the game, so he's like, let's Does not ever really Does he still not get his last name? Joe Maher. Because Maher. Who cares? He ain't going to be on the team next year. <laughs> wow. That is interesting. That, uh, we'll have a segment for you where you, you start eliminating through, players from the team. Are you ready to go through training and camp again, Mike, where yeah. the biggest story is, whoa, no, what was up with this kicker? He biggest, wants Garibay back. He's a like, tech guy. If there's one thing I did as quarterback of the Cowboys, I made sure that our kicker didn't lose his confidence too much in that game. Yeah, a couple people pointed. Even when we got in field goal range, I was like, hey, uh, there's two guys covering CeeDee Lamb. Let's see, if, let's see if they both become invisible. This is an interesting text and it's not it's less about the Stafford thing but somebody said that Dak has reached his ceiling is is yeah. his ceiling what we saw at Tampa Bay but he can never do it consistently like yes he's constantly he can have that game a million percent but more likely than not in big games it's going to look like this because that, that's the talent level of the opposing defense that is what I think is and that's what we said in crosstalk yeah. it is it is a, an agitating, kind of an agitating position to be in. Dak is too good for you to be like, we need to tear it all down, but not good enough to say he will lead us to the promised land. I get the counter argument is how many quarterbacks out there will lead you to the promised land? Maybe only two. I like kind of on their own. I don't know. It's really tough, Kevin, because I think he's better than these guys. He's better than L.A. Rams, Jared Goff, and he's better than Andy Dalton, Cincinnati Bengals. Yeah. But he's kind of that guy. He shows signs of being better than that, but yes. you know that he can never be at the level that Joe Burrow is showing in his third year. He can never even come close to Patrick Mahomes, never come close to like a Hall of Fame quarterback. He's never going to be that. And I know this is a long time ago in different sport, but he, he's kind of like Mark Aguirre of the Dallas Mavericks back in the 80s when the Mavericks like, this is this up-and-coming team. They might be the team to take over the Lakers. And you're like, Mark Aguirre has way too many faults to yeah. ever really lead a team. And, that, and that's how I feel, too, because it was, I think it was in the Washington game to end out the regular season. Brandon asked me, he go, we were talking about, like, the peak of Dak and how good that was. He said, I just wish it wasn't mixed in with all the mistakes. And I said, I hear you, but that's what makes you elite. And I don't think he can do that. That's who he is. I, yeah. I know that, like, Bobby Bell, I love Bobby and Kyle Yeomans. I, I think it was this year during the training camp, uh, Corey, that they're like, why don't you think Dak can be an MVP? And my response is, he can't play 17 weeks of MVP football. He's going to have bad stretches. That's who he is. And to win an MVP, you can't have four or five bad games in a season. And he always does that. And now he gets hurt too, but he's always going to have four or five bad games that takes him completely and totally out of that race by the end of the year. And unfortunately, come playoff time, Troy Aikman never won a football game in the playoffs playing average or bad football. Even Troy Aikman, with the team that he had, if you want to say how great he was, if you go watch all of his playoff games, if he played bad, let's say against the Carolina Panthers in 96, they lost. You have to play good as a quarterback. It's almost impossible to really play bad as a quarterback and your team win a playoff game. And Dak has to do that for three or four straight games. It's impossible for Dak Prescott to play against that level of talent and actually play four straight good games. And I see multiple people asking about Stephen Jones. Well, programming alert is Stephen Jones has dropped out of our interview today at noon. I don't know 
the scheduling or logistical reasons, and we're trying to find out if we're going to make it up. But he will now not. Player acquisition is a 365-day yeah, process, ass. Kevin. Yeah, that's great. I don't – I will tell you, I do not believe that is the reason, but I don't know the it reason. Execute at we, the end of the day. Yes. I already know the answers. We will that. find out if we will get that rescheduled, but he will not be on today. We're the KNC Masterpiece right here on 105 Through the Fan. Coming up next, we will talk with our Dallas Cowboys insider, Mickey Spagnola. Plus, if you need to vent more, go ahead and vent. I'm here for it. We'll do it next right here on the fan. KNC Masterpiece back here on 105 Through the Fan right now. Brought to you by Ford. Built for Texas. Built for you. It is our Dallas Cowboys insider, Mickey Spagnola. Good morning, sir. Good morning. So. Your thoughts on Dalton Schultz. Where do you want to start? I get okay. You brought Corey brought it up. Your thoughts on Dalton Schultz? You can take that in whatever direction you would see fit. Yeah, uh, I don't know that that was the uh, topic of the game, but uh, <laughs> pretty darn soft. Oh, would you like? Yeah, it, did he not know what he was supposed to do to get out of bounds? No, I, he's got to know. Okay, he know that. Yeah, he just seemed really like the the word I used before the show was it was malaise. Like, whether it was not dragging the foot or not getting the forward progress to stop the clock, I'm not saying, like, they would have won and made the two-point conversion, but just for such a key situation or set of situations, he seemed, like, largely indifferent to what was happening. I would not argue with you on that in one bit. The the quarterback. Everybody's mad at the quarterback today, Mickey. Which goes with the territory. Yeah, I mean, that's that's the low-hanging fruit, right? Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Offensive line wasn't very good, and we can start right there. To me, um, you know, that was one of the big difference in the game. You know, they had the, uh, the, the hat going, offensive linemen lead the way. Well, they didn't lead the way. Um, you know, you can talk about the quarterback who was under uh, quite a bit of duress, by the way, uh, and the running game. Um, they, they basically did not threaten them with the running game, especially after Pollard went out, which, by the way, he fractured his uh, fibula, mm. left leg. He's going to have surgery, and then they're going to have to check out the ankle to see if there's any uh, significant uh, ligament damage. Yeah. So they, they lost kind of that push. Um, and that but, might be for another day, Mickey, but I feel like that – might complicate or muddy the water even more about what to do with him going forward from a contractual standpoint. Uh, it muddies the water for him. Yeah, I I would think. I mean, that kind of messes up your free agent market, right? I would think that. Didn't mess um, up Gallup's. Yeah, that, that is true. Yeah. Um, but, um, you know, I, I think that, um, but I don't know. I just don't know how they're going to look at that one uh, at this point right now going forward. So, uh, but you know they they couldn't run the football, and, and I figured out they were three and fifth, three of fifteen on third down. Eight of those third downs were third and five or more. So they just were first and second down. They weren't very good. Uh, and you know credit to San Francisco's defense, right? They weren't the number one defense in the league for nothing. They weren't the number two rush defense for nothing. Uh, They were pretty good. Uh, But this game just came down to when you need to make a play. And they made their play. The Kittle, Bobble, 
juggle, yeah. what, 31-yard catch down the middle that wasn't even supposed to be a, a play thrown to him. And the Cowboys couldn't make one of those. And, you know, that to me was the difference in the game. Uh, you miss an ex- you get an extra point blocked, which I think was going to be a miss anyway. Yeah. You have second and two at the 18. So you got a field goal there, if nothing else, but you get intercepted. And not only do you lose those three points, so that's minus four at this point. Uh, they go back and score a, a, a field goal that they should have never had the ball with that much time left in the half. So that's another three that you lost. Your first and goal at the nine. At the nine, and you kick a field goal. That's minus four to me. Yeah. So there's like eight points there, you know, however you want to look at it, 11. They only lost by seven. So in playoff games like that, you cannot make mistakes and give away points. You've got to score, especially against a very good defense that was uh, giving the Cowboys offensive line trouble, not only with their front four, but with a lot of their pressures. They were rushing five and six uh, because they understood to control this Cowboys offense, they had to control Dak Prescott. They couldn't give him time in the pocket to just kind of sit there and look around, look around. Uh, they got after him and, and forced him to be very uncomfortable once again. Uh, and then he, you know, takes a chance and um, tries to, you know, thread a needle and, you know, he couldn't do it. Ball gets tipped, intercepted. Um, yeah, and, and so when you when you start looking at the defensive uh statistics he had six passes broken up six that's a lot right they're getting their hands on a lot of passes uh and for a guy that was as accurate he was the game before well what was the difference well uh they just didn't do a very good job right from the start right they get called for holding I'm I'm hoping yes, and I do agree with that. The beginning for Tyler that that was rough. I'm hoping you could tell me a little bit more about why you think the offensive line didn't play well. Because if you go back again to the stats, I'm not saying they like were the stars of the show. I thought they played just fine and only gave up one sack. And Dak didn't get hit hit a lot. I know there was pressure. I was hoping you could tell me just a little bit more about. Why didn't think the offensive line was looking good yesterday? Yeah, well, they were up against a pretty good bunch. That's right? true, for sure. Um, and you know, had they made maybe one more play, you know, you're looking at nineteen nineteen. Um, but they didn't make it, and you got to make plays in playoff games. You got to make big ones. You know, Dak has Gallup on the deep ball, and he throws it inside instead of outside, and it was a little bit short and. You know, Gallup almost made the catch. Well, they didn't almost make the catch. They made the catch, right? Yeah. Uh, the Cowboys didn't. Um, yeah, so, um, I mean, that that defensive front was pretty good. Uh, and, and, you know, they, they kind of hung in there. I was amazed that it was only uh, one sack. Um, and and I, I think they were pretty uh, chintzy on the quarterback hit stuff because – each team only had four, and I saw a lot more pressure than that on on both of those quarterbacks, right? Um, so, yeah, I mean, how do you you score twelve points? Seriously, you know, during that nine game streak they had, they were averaging thirty six. 
And they were beating some good teams, right? Yeah. They, they were beating teams with winning records. It wasn't like they played just a bunch of pansies. They actually had a better record against the teams with winning records than they did against teams with losing records. And, I think and you know what? San Francisco was the same. Sorry, Mike. No, no problem. Uh, they did the same thing. Their, their majority of their losses, they were against teams with losing records. So. I- I think which was tough too, Mick, yesterday as you talked about, you got the turnover and got the ball in the 21. Uh, Turpin put you in good field position multiple times where you didn't have to go 75 or 80 right. yards. They were they were they they had opportunities where, hey, you just need to go half the field or you just need to go 20 yards and you put yourself in a touchdown situation and they just couldn't get that done. Yeah, they didn't take advantage of those. Their, their, you know, their biggest plays or big plays came on – for Turpin, right? Yeah. Golly, he almost had the one. I know. It's like, I don't know what he saw when he curved back in, and uh, Robbie Gould uh, ended up uh, making the tackle somehow, some way, or I don't know if it was a tackle, it was a bump, right? He was in the way. Yeah. 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 He got in the way. It's like, you know, somebody said, how how can he not run through that? I go, well, he's he's 168 pounds. You know, it doesn't take much to bump him off, but... Yeah, I mean, we just go back and look at the opportunities they squandered. Uh, you know, it wasn't like they just got bulldozed. It was nineteen twelve. I We talked about that before the show, at the beginning of the show, is I think that's why, like, last year I think I was mad, and this year I'm just sad because last year I looked at that game, and I know what happened at the end with the refs and everything like that, but I watched that game and I was like, I could see how San Francisco is definitely a better team than you. But this year, I did not feel that way watching this game, yet you're still in the exact same situation. Right, yeah. You open the season getting beat because the team scores 19 and you end the season because you got beat scoring 19, if you think about that. And we scored a combined 15 points in those two games. In those games, yeah. And and this is an offensive team, so... Um, yeah, it's hard to, uh, I'm sure it's hard for the fans out there to comprehend. I'm sure there's, you know, they're mad, they're disappointed, they're sad. I can tell you I, that was a, a bad, as bad a, um, a locker room as I think I've seen in quite some time. I mean, there were guys that just, Trayvon Diggs, it, it, the locker room was nearly cleared out and he was still sitting there with a towel over his head with his game pants on, head down. Uh, and and he was the last one out of the locker room. I think Dak was probably next before he went and did his press conference, and and J. Ron Curse too. Uh, those guys just took it really really hard. It was almost hard to watch because uh, you know the work they put in, and uh, for it to end like that, um, yeah, it was uh, it was a little. They were I mean they were sick, and it was a pretty quiet ride home too on the charter. Mickey, a lot of a lot of times with these kinds of feelings, it's like, oh, heads are going to roll. But I'm kind of looking at this thing going, I don't know that Jerry's in that place. I don't know that Steven's yeah. in that place where heads have got to roll for this team to get to the next level. They put a pretty good squad together. Yeah, and that's why, um, you know, you gotta you got to take a week and get away from the emotional re- reaction to the loss and then look at it pragmatically. Uh, you can't just overreact, and it's like, well, this is wrong, this is wrong, this is wrong. Well, there was a lot of right, you know, and um, you go on the road, and um, you know, and uh, I mean, you just got beat, you know, and sometimes uh, you know you're not as good as the other team, and you know, San Francisco's pretty good. I got to give it to them, although, you know, defensively, 
I mean, they did what they needed to do, right? They stopped yes! Debo Samuel. Really you know, good. if I told you he was going to have eight touches for a total of 56 yards. Same with McCaffrey. I would have been McCaffrey, like, we're going to win. It was, it was uh, oh, I wrote it down right here. He had 16 touches for 57 yards. Yeah. And, and, and they stopped him. And, you know, and, and, and I think the more, the, the disturbing part about the defense was this. They knew where Purdy was going to throw the ball. He's not throwing 17-yard outs, right? Everything's going to be over the middle. Everything's going to be inside. And they were playing a lot of times zone where their receivers were finding the open spot in the zone. Uh, And it's like he's not going to beat you to the outside, so cheat to the inside, right? Um, and, and, And they let him get away with it. And that's how they protect him. That's how you protect a rookie quarterback, the last pick in the draft. Don't ask him to do stuff he can't do. Make sure you devise a offense where he's throwing the ball, he's seeing right in front of him. He doesn't have to look left or right or try to throw the 17-yard out. He's going to dump it over the middle and keep dumping it over the middle. And they never really came up with a, an answer to that. And, and having said that, I mean, he threw for 214 yards. You got to win that game, yeah. right? Yeah. I mean, you held them to 19 points. Defense did their job. Uh, the offense uh, just just was not clicking whatsoever. Appreciate it very much, good sir. We're up against it, so we will talk with you later. Okay, sounds good. There you go, Mickey Spagnola from DallasCowboys.com. Now, the beauty of radio. You are on is radio. This. So are you. You just said that to me on radio. What? Mickey said, take emotions out of it, wait a week, all right. and then figure things out. Let's do it. But we don't have to do that at all. See you tomorrow. Coming up. Now, oh, whoa, sorry, next You have to week. keep I'm doing the Mike. show. You have to keep doing the show. Coming up next. Go? Best of. Hit the button. Who is the one? Player, coach, whoever. (laughs) Man, Reggie would be like, thanks for listening to the Get Right. Boom! (laughs) So is we don't have to wait. Coming up next, if you want to text in 877-881-1053, who's the one player, coach, whoever on the Cowboys you're done with, and you're done with them now. We'll do it next right here on The Fan. Here's Brett Maher for the extra point. Left hash. The kick is blocked. Oh, dear. Oh, boy. But I don't know that that's his fault, but still, you don't know. It was his fault. We knew on further inspection. (laughs) One of the things I love about Brad Sham in general, but also when he's broadcasting, is how matter-of-fact he'll say things. It's like, it was blocked. You heard that in one of the earlier clips, picked off. Like, he does not want to go, you know, whatever, but then he goes, oh, dear. He's a fan. Oh, for like, sure. I mean, like that's when I he was uh, at my class at UNT. He came to speak. I think I made him mad, and that's why he's never liked me since. Um, yeah. But one of the first things he said was, "I get just as ticked off as everybody else out there because I've been a fan the entire time." Yeah. And he's and he's because he's rooting for these guys. He's not rooting against them. Sure. He wants them to do well. He gets to go to you know call more games, and that's a lot of fun for him. But. Like he, I think he's just like all of us. You can hear it a lot of times in his disappointment with some of these guys. <laughs> now, Mickey said the Cowboys as an organization will attempt to do their exit interviews, not make any decisions with emotion. That's probably smart if you run a football team. However, 
we can do whatever the hell we want. So if you want right. to text in 877-881-1053. See you later. Who is the one person with the Cowboys you're done with? You're like, I'm out. From the 817, Prescott. From the 682, Diggs. From the 806, I think we all know where this segment is headed. Dak, if you're listening, turn off the radio. For the 817, it's Zeke. From the 901, Dak, 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 Dak. Mike, I'm going to start with you. You have the ability to just be done with one person on the Cowboys. The Whopper commercial. <laughs> um, yes! That be I would lean towards Dak because that's way. the person who can make the biggest change, right? I just don't think, I personally don't think, and I understand if, if you do think he can do this, I don't think he can have three good games against three playoff teams in a row. So I do think he he was great against Tampa. Tampa, they did make the playoffs. Whether you think they're good or not, because they're not, but they did make the playoffs. Yeah. And he can do that. But if you're asking Dak to do what we've seen now Joe Burrow somewhat two years in a row do, uh, if you're asking him to do uh, kind of, uh, you know, Jalen Hurts, it's too early. He's only won one game. But the way Jalen Hurts just demolished New York. And he Dak did the same thing against Tampa Bay. I just don't trust that Dak is ever going to be good enough. He just, to me, done with is is tough, but it's just, I know that he's not good enough. Here's my point here, Corey. I think if he was drafted by the LA Rams, that Sean McVay would have done the same thing to Dak as he did with Jared Goff. Jared Goff pushed him to the playoffs every year. Jared Goff wasn't not making the playoffs. He was making the playoffs, and he said, it's just not good enough. Jimmy Garoppolo made the Super Bowl in 2019. They traded for him, made the Super Bowl. And after two to three years, I can't remember his third year, Mike Shanahan said, this is not good enough. I'm trading up, and I know Trey Lance hasn't worked out, but he just said, this isn't good enough. Andy Reid said, Alex Smith is not good enough. Those three teams are alive uh, in the playoffs. I guess L.A. not. They won the Super Bowl last year. But to my point is, if this was more of a cutthroat organization and just said, you know what, making the playoffs is nice, it's good, but yeah. we we want better, and we're going to take a big risk here. We're gonna we're gonna avoid like the the ten win season to yep. maybe go to all or nothing, and I don't think Jerry Jones will never do that. Okay, I think you're right about that. And then Corey, I want to see if you bring up the answer that is clearly at least in second place right now. I didn't ask for this audio because I didn't think about this ahead of time, but it was a couple weeks ago when we interviewed Jerry. It was going into the Tampa game. It was the Friday going into the Tampa game. Is Jerry was like, well, you know, let's not let, let's not skip over and ignore how great our regular season success has been for the last couple of years, which he's right, but. I know that's not what a lot of Cowboys fans want to hear because it feels like your participation ribbon, and that's why I think you're spot on, Mike, but that's why I think that the Cowboys don't have the stomach for any of that. So, Mike, I want a the pedigree is the wrong word. I want the caliber of a first-round pick quarterback. That's a guy that's seen everything. He knows how to win, all those great things that come along with it. Jake Locker. Uh <laughs> A first-round pick that I would take in the draft. I think <laughs> like I, pre- I was very open about neither one of those being uh, being sufficient. Um, but I'll, Baker Mayfield? Uh, no, I didn't like okay. him either. Right. Uh, I get I it. Like a lot Darnold. of times you draft a garbage quarterback in the first round. Oh, okay. The uh, uh, Trevor Lawrence, how about that? I, I want a caliber of that. He seems good. That works? Patrick Mahomes. I, however, 
The reality is that can't happen. Yep. So I'm going to say, what has Kellen Moore shown that he can develop another quarterback other than Dak to beyond what Dak is? He hasn't. I mean, like it's it's Cooper Rush is never going to be that. So if you're like, oh, but Cooper Rush was four and one. Yeah, they had a really good defense and they trick after them. Isn't that what they say, Mike? Like they were able to <laughs> to get squeak out some wins there. Yeah, but I do give Kellen more credit for going four and one in that situation. I I, I agree, and and to the point of in 2019 as offensive coordinator, they were sixth in points, first in yards. Uh, 2017 and 14, but that's different because that's the Dak injury year. They were one and one last year, four and eleven, fourth in points, eleventh in yards this year. They're really, they're really, really good. I do have questions about him understanding the nuances, some other nuances of development that he just doesn't know. He's had one quarterback his entire time, yeah, and they've gotten to as far as they can get. That's as far as they are going to get with this current thing is what they did in this game. So I am saying move on from Kellen Moore. I hope they can find another brilliant mind that can do all these things. But again, this is a guy who, when the big things, the big plays, the big games come up, let's run the Jason Garrett curl routes as our as our main option against this defense. There's got to be something else out there. Do I trust Steven and Jerry to find the right one? I don't know. So you do have a lot of support, at least on Twitch, with Kellen Moore. I'm I disagree with that. I think it's. I think a lot of cow. I'm on the. I think I'm in the minority that I think Kellen Moore is good. He's not great, but what was he supposed to do when T.Y. Hilton was wide open for a touchdown? He yeah. can't throw the football. No, I completely. I understand that part of it too. But you're not doing anything with the quarterback. Yeah. So you. I so I need to find somebody that can get through yeah. to the quarterback. Here's what you need to learn because yeah. I still think there are things I, unlearned by Dak. I'm with you. I just think that most coaches that have a Dak Prescott say he's not good enough. And I think that we're limited. I think uh, any coach, whether it's Sean Payton, whether it's Sean McVay, whether it's Mike Shanahan, they would realize after working with Dak Prescott, I'm limited on what I can do with this guy. And to get this job, every single one of them are saying, I can coach that guy. You know, like they're to get a job, they're all going to say they can. So I agree with you, Mike, because you, you dad, hey, that guy, that guy is going to be a star. That kid can't play. Y'all have, y'all seen it. Y'all seen the pros enough. I think that they're going to look at him and go, there might be one coach or a few of them out there that are like, he needs this. And then they might get frustrated when they get in the room and they're like, oh, he can't do it. But they're like, oh, he needs he needs to be able to see it this way. Maybe they can teach him. And to Corey's point, obviously, Sean McVay's better. Obviously, Mike Shanahan's better. I would say Philadelphia's wow. proving that they have better offensive coaches, right? So to Corey's point, there are teams that you can look at and say, boy, they seem to be getting more out of their situation than possibly what the Cowboys are getting out of there. So I don't want to completely say he's a great coordinator i just think he is limited by what his quarterback can and can't do so you brought up the twitch the fan text mirrors that dak is number one kellen moore is a strong number two on here from the four six well that's gonna <laughs> damn it from the four six nine you don't gotta write that down reggie from the four six nine but i choose to. Uh, yeah kellen moore needs to hit the road from the five one zero Fire Kellen from the 940. Please, please, please get rid of the overrated Jason Garrett clone, stupid Kellen Moore. And from the 321 Kellen. I'm going to go in a different direction. I'm going to go with the easiest to achieve because not only does it make sense, it makes dollars. I appreciate what you've done here. It's time to move away from Zeke. We're done. 
All right, we are done, done, done. Because the thing that is agitating, and it's not Zeke's fault. This part's not Zeke's fault. Him being on the team sometimes, I think, makes the Cowboys lazy. And it might just be the way they talk about Zeke that has me feeling like he makes them lazy. Is because they're like, oh, we got Zeke. Zeke's the best. Sure. Let's take a look. This past year, 10th most carries in the league, yet had the 22nd most yards and yet had the 42nd best yards per carry average. Like, you know what it is. If I need a run in from the goal line for one yard, Zeke's our guy. Awesome. Next year, he counts $17 million against the salary cap. And here is where it finally makes sense. It's taken a while to get to this point after that absurd extension they gave him when he still had two years left on his deal as a running back. You're dead cap for next year if you were to move on from him. $11.8 million. What do the Cowboys love to do? They love to make that post-June 1st, and they love to split that in half. That's $5.9 million. He counts 16.7 against the cap. You cut Zeke, and they split the cap the way they love to do, you will save $10.8 million. It, the, the difference in the past was, like, just this last year, if you would have got rid of Zeke in the same manner, you would have saved $3 million. Is Zeke worth $3 million? Sure, probably. Is Zeke worth $10.8 million? No. And so that's the one for me that I think is the simplest and the most likely. I'm not disputing y'all's choices whatsoever. I totally get them. For me, I think the Zeke time is over unless there was a this time DeMarcus Lawrence-esque team-friendly restructuring of the deal. Can I ask 100% you, can, with him. And I, I didn't give you a, a solution to uh, offensive coordinator. Sure. Can you give me a solution at running back? Yeah. <laughs> yes. It's heartless, it's cold, it's ruthless. But this time, it sucks that you lost. It sucks that Tony Pollard got hurt. That is not your fault. And you do not have to reward him for that, right? So, for once, take advantage of the situation. Again, it sounds ruthless and mean. And I, we've had Tony Pollard on our show multiple times. He does not... He can be rewarded for what he's done and what, but more importantly, you reward players for what you think they're going to do. The Michael Gallup contract to this day drives me crazy because they gave market rate, maybe slightly above market rate, depending on your feelings about Michael Gallup, to somebody that you knew would be potentially hobbled going into the season. And you can tell me that Tony Pollard is going to make a full recovery. He's going to be 100% what he was. The market will not bear that out. The rest of the NFL will not say you get the same deal because you broke your fibula and you're going to be out for months and months at a time. And we just believe. So if you want to go with Tony Pollard, I'm fine with that. But just this is a time when the contract is different. Or you go out and draft a lower round running back and see if you really can just plug and play for three to four years at a time and move on and never pay a running back. Those are my solutions. You, I think when you have a, a, a good team across, like if you have a good team across the board, you can do those things. Yes. I think whenever they were re-signing his contract at the time, they were like, he makes us a good team as opposed to our team is good enough that we can do a lot with other things. And at that time they could have gone with Pollard and they could have said, Hey, this is, this is going to be our guy. He showed in preseason games he was good. That, and then they were like, nah, let's go ahead and eat the deal because this could be the Super Bowl. My my biggest fear is that Tony Pollard gets the, let's just say, 5 for 65 extension with whatever the guaranteed money is, $35 million. Let's just something like that. And, and it's because he's going to be the same back. And I'm like, you don't know that. 
like the doctor can tell you this he can tell you this whatever you don't know that man and that's what i'm afraid is gonna happen well you know they just did it last year you mentioned with michael gallup so they're gonna do it again tony pollard's gonna get a deal and we just have to hope that he comes back healthy and yes people are gonna be mad at me for this because of the first round draft a running back strategy if for some reason because mock drafts are all over the place with him if Bijan robinson is there when you pick i select him that is who I want on he this won't. team. He won't be there. Let's trade up. Pro- no. Okay. We'll figure that out later. We're the KNC Masterpiece right here on 105.3 The Fan. I always knew Kevin was a Appreciate. <laughs> Appreciate all the feedback for sure. Coming up next, I cannot wait to see what the feedback is on this. What was the single biggest play? In last night's Cowboys loss. One play, what was it? 877 881 1053. Want to text in? We'll do it next right here on the fan.